Hey Church of the Beloved, thanks for tuning in to our weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe and I'm the production manager here at COTV. Today's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from John chapter 1 verses 1 through 14. Now, uh, for those of you who are joining us today uh, for the first time, or first couple times, I want to give a little bit of uh, background, some history to provide some context, right? I I mentioned my name is Abe. I serve as one of the pastors here at Church of the Beloved. Uh, I am a bivocational or co-vocational pastor, which simply means I actually have a full-time job besides serving as a pastor here. I I work in, uh, in the tech industry. I think I'm one of the very few people uh, in the tech industry that actually has to go into an office, which is fine. I have an e-scooter uh, that saves me some time. And thankfully, weirdly enough, in Chicago, the weather has actually been good enough for me to keep riding. Uh, and for those of you who care, I do wear a helmet when I ride my scooter, so it's all good. Um, anyway, right before the pandemic, uh, before we became the one united and unified church that is here today, Uh, Church of the Bluff, we actually had three campuses. Uh, We had a downtown campus, we had a South Loop campus, and we had a Wicker Park campus. COTB also had like seven pastors on staff. We also had a whole bunch of uh, ministry personnel who helped support and lead this church. But then, unfortunately, our founding pastor, uh, because of acts of spiritual abuse against many in our congregation, he was removed. Uh, I ended up leaving Chicago. And as we we're trying to figure out how do we care for those who had been abused and how do we recover from that trauma, the pandemic happened. And then all the pastors, except for me, left the church. And then a whole bunch of our staff left the church. And the church allowed me and asked if I would step in as the interim senior pastor, which I did for a few years until, thank God, Clint came to serve in that role, but not the interim. He's a senior pastor now. I want to start with this history because the journey that we've traveled as Church of the Beloved, it would not have happened were it not for hope, which is the theme we have for this Advent season. And Pastor Clint explained last week, a Christian hope is an assured, a guaranteed hope based on Jesus, not like hope for those who don't have God which is an expectation, a desire for something good to maybe happen. And I know, I believe that was our hope that God desired and God desires for this community, this family of believers to be united together by the love and the grace of the one and only Son of God. That's what kept me, that's what kept many of those of the original Church of the Beloved family together to be with you all, this new family. What kept us going through the difficulties, through the trauma, and through every dart and every arrow that was being hurled at us, what kept us going was this understanding that God desired and desires the beloved of here in Chicago to continue to be a light for the city, to see the gospel transform people into spirit-filled disciples who know that they are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. The assured hope that John is writing about in today's passage This is in the same person that we as a church clung to during those dark days. So what I want to do today is I want to unpack today's passage to get a better sense of who it is uh, and a better understanding of who it is we have hope in, right? 
And by the way, if this is not a hope that is relevant to you, maybe it's not known by you who are listening in today or sitting here today with us, I have a secondary hope. I hope that God might use this time to at least pique your interest, pique your interest into what it is that we here at Church of the Beloved cling to and how it's so different from anything and everything else that's available in the world today. But I want to start from the very beginning. Uh, I'm going to be reading from the Christian Standard Bible, that version, and starting with verse 1, it says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, I want to be very clear. I don't want to bury the lead here. The Word that this was referring to is Jesus, all right? It becomes more evident the more you read through the rest of this passage, and as you look at John's entire book or scroll or gospel, I want to take a moment again to look at and consider John's locution, his, his word choice here. Because if you think about it, Jesus, there's a lot of different names, a lot of different titles for Jesus. You got uh, Son of God, Redeemer, uh, Bread of Life, Shepherd, Christ, Deliverer, Emmanuel, God with us. There are a lot of names for Jesus. So why did John choose the word? One that, a, a, a title that's really not used anywhere else in the Bible. And to understand his word choice, we need to consider, I think, the original Greek, which is logos. Now, this word logos is typically used in a couple of ways. Um, the first is to convey an inward thought, right? Like, it's like logic, reason, or science. Etymologically speaking, logos is also uh, the suffix that's used for words like theology or geology or for our soccer fans, soccerology. Uh, the study uh, or the gathering of inward thoughts on a particular subject. But that's not John's intent right now. His intent, the translation doesn't say, in the beginning was logic and the logic was God, no. The, the second way that logos is used, and I want to read to you and show you on the screen uh, the same verse, verse 1, but from a different translation. It's called the Passion. And they translate logos like this. In the beginning, the living expression was already there. And the living expression was with God, yet holy God. See, the other way that logos is used is to convey an outward expression of an inward thought. In other words, God was expressing himself in the person, Jesus. In the beginning, God expressed himself. There's another thing to consider when we say the word. The word is a concept that's tied to a few things. For example, it's tied to creation it's tied to revelation, and it's tied to deliverance. And let me explain. Like, uh, it was with words that God created everything, right? He spoke, and everything came to be. It was with words that God revealed himself. The prophets of the Old Testament, they would say, thus says the Lord, and then they would reveal and explain God's will and his truth using words. And it's with the word that God delivers us from what separates us from God. It's the word that is light, and that is life. So, so when John's using the word, or the title, the word, he is intentionally ascribing to Jesus this understanding that Jesus is creation. Jesus is revelation. Jesus is deliverance. Jesus is the living expression of God to us. That is the word. Now, I, I've mentioned before that, and just a little bit of a tangent, John oftentimes will share concepts that don't always seem to fit together. They seem to be juxtaposed to each other. And he does that in today's passage as well, in verse 1. He writes, the word was with God, and the word was God. 
Now, because I think of our limited capacity as human beings, this doesn't necessarily make sense to a lot of people. Because either the word or Jesus is God, or he was with God, right? Some people might read this and say, you know, no one can be both. It doesn't make any sense. So either Jesus was with God, and therefore, in that case, is not God, or he is God, and therefore wasn't with God. <clears throat> Jehovah's Witnesses, um, they will incorrectly translate this verse, and I emphasize incorrectly translate it, to read the word was with God and the word was a God. That's absolutely incorrect. And I'm not going to spend a lot of time breaking down the grammatical or the contextual reasons why. If you look at the entirety of John's book, the entirety of the Bible, you will see that this is an incorrect understanding of the original Greek. The truth of this verse is this. Jesus, the Son of God, was and is both. Jesus was with God. Jesus is God, both at exactly the same time. Jesus, the Christ, is God, and Jesus is with the Father, who is also God, and that they are two of the three persons that are one God. And I know it's a hard concept, but the truth is that we can proclaim, just as uh, Thomas, the disciple, after he saw his resurrected Savior, after touching his resurrected Savior's nail-pierced hands, he proclaimed, my Lord and my God, to his and our Messiah. Because he was with God, and he is God. So John's very first statement, right from the beginning, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. It points out that Jesus was and is the very living expression of God. And, and the very living expression of God has come to communicate to us directly. Jesus existed, and Jesus exists right now to communicate with the Father and to be the divine communication to us. The word came to be the living expression in word and deed of God to us, and he did it on that Christmas morning. Let's go back to this passage. I'm going to start reading again from verse 1. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. He was with God in the beginning. All things were created through him. And apart from him, not one thing was created that has been created. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. That light shines in the darkness, and yet the darkness did not overcome it. I think I've told this story before, but I'm going to tell it again. Uh, Suzette and I were on vacation once. Suzette's my wife, for those of you who don't know. We were on vacation once, and we ended up taking a tour of a cave. I'm not exactly sure it was. I feel like it was some southern state, but... I just remember we were, we were following this tour guide, and we went down into this deep cavern, uh, and where they were teaching about stalactites and stalagmites. Uh, I think the stalagmites are the ones that grow from the, from the ground. You like little drops of water with salt over hundreds of years, and this ugly thing develops. Um, <clears throat> I have no idea what she was talking about specifically, but I do remember this. Suddenly, she was reaching over and flipped a switch, and we were in absolute pitch black darkness. I mean, literally, we could see nothing at all. I, 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 to be honest, I was freaking out a little. You know, the darkness, it was so deep that I actually felt like I was being crushed by the weight of it. I was groping for Suzette's hand to comfort her, actually, to comfort me. Uh, <laughs> and, I was, and I was thinking, how much money did I just spend to die? It was a thought that was going in my head. And then I saw this, this pen light, I saw this tiny, minuscule point of light suddenly going up the wall to find the breaker box. 
turn the lights back on. <laughs> and I'll tell you the relief and the hope that I started to feel just because of that tiny little light. Oh, God, thank God. Um, see, in Jesus is life. In the word, there's life. And this life is the light. The light that is God's promise, the light that is God's hope that we can all, every single one of us, the promise that we can all find our hope in. It's a light that, that absolutely no darkness, no sin, no evil, nothing can squelch that light. Nothing can put it out. Nothing can diminish it. And Christmas is the day that we celebrate the entry onto our landscape, the Word, coming to be that light in our darkness. See, Christian hope is the assurance, the guarantee that something good is going to happen because of Jesus. And this hope is what helps us during times of trauma, during times of difficulty, times of darkness. But the thing is this, the hope that we proclaim and the hope that we cling to that Jesus brings this light, it only is relevant. It only has relevance if we realize we are in pitch black darkness. As Clint has said, if we are willing to admit that we are not good. There's a TV show on Apple TV uh, with Jason Momoa. It's called C. I don't know if you've seen it. It's, it's about a dystopian world where everybody is blind, right? I've only seen, like, the first episode or two. It's, it seems pretty cool to me. Uh, it's about how society could potentially function in that type of situation when society, how we might adapt uh, to being in total darkness. Because, you know, being blind is not a handicap. I understand it as being other-abled, right? And, and, and just seeing how they would just travel with straight... It's a very cool show, but here's the thing. In the show, society has adapted to the point where that's the only reality for them. There's no such thing as sight anymore. It's a myth for them. And I kind of think that's the reality the world lives in today, the world around us, and that might include you. The world around us has come to the point where we have adapted so much to darkness that there's no desire, no hope for something different because we can't even imagine anything different. You know, I was preparing for today's message, and there's this song that kept showing up in my recommended song playlist on Amazon Prime. And yes, I said Prime because I'm too cheap for Spotify, just so you know. Um, if you want to give me that gift, that's fine. This is a, it was a song by an uh, uh, artist named Sophie Tucker. I don't know who she is. It's called Original Sin, and I don't know why it keeps showing up. But there's this one line in that song that I think epitomizes this concept. It's, what the F is Original Sin anyway? I think that's how the world thinks. See, the hope that John is writing about, is there's a foundational assumption that we cannot skip over. is that we need hope because we're living in darkness. That we are living in a darkness that requires light for us to come out of it. Verses 10 and 11 point out how the world responds to that. It says, he was in the world, and the world was created through him. And yet, the world did not recognize him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. See, humans have come to a place where instead of seeking, instead of clinging to the truth that's being offered, the hope and the light and the life that, that is being gifted by Christ, the world, and many of us here maybe, have rejected it. We've decided that this world is what we get. We'll just adapt. We'll make the best of it, you know? Now, for those of you who are here who believe that Jesus is the light, who believe that Jesus is the light, and it's being offered to those who are sitting in darkness, it, it, it might be hard for you 
It might be hard for you to look at this hope, look at this light, look at this joy that is being offered, and then look at your friends and your family and think, how could they not want this? I had a friend. He was adamant. He was, he was exceptionally excited about just evangelizing, about Christianity, about Christ to everyone around him. He was so excited about it that he would get pissed off every time a person did not accept Christ immediately after sharing the good news about Jesus. Because in his mind, he just could not understand how or why someone wouldn't want this truth. How could anyone not realize they're sitting in darkness, but there's light being offered? By the way, if you know someone like this, or if you are this person, relax. God shows patience and grace and mercy too. See, the world around us, I think, has adapted to the darkness we're in. And, and we, as a, as a world, we no longer recognize, they no longer recognize the author and the creator of all things. See, the world has changed the narrative in such a way where hope is not an expectation, it's not even a desire. People think Nothing's going to happen when we die anyway, so what's the use? Let's just live the life we have now and enjoy it. You know, maybe I'll go do some good things, but I'm going to do these good things because it makes me feel good. It's not about anyone else. It's about me. And if the world does not understand that there is a need, that there is a promise by Jesus for so much more, then the world will never recognize, never seek, never receive the word, the light. Christ. See, the word is the living expression of God. It has always been, and it will always be. And most of humanity, unfortunately, doesn't recognize that God has come as Jesus to communicate the one and only path to redemption, the hope of so much more than we can fathom. And maybe it's because they don't even realize that they are sitting in darkness. And if that's you, I hope you hear me now? Because some do. Verses 12 and 13 says this, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God. To those who believe in his name, who were born not of natural descent or of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. See, the beloved of God are the chosen of God by the will of God. And God has seen you, sees you, and says, I love you. I love you so much that I'm coming for you. And he didn't come quietly either. He sent John the Baptist ahead to proclaim the arrival, as was read by his uh, kids in verses 6 to 9. I like to keep my messages to about 25 minutes. I don't know if you know that. Most, most of you do who have been here. I don't know if you ever had to sit in a, a meeting at work, like an hour-long meeting, even a 30-minute meeting, and it's just one person doing all the talking. Ain't nobody want that. Sorry, Clint. <laughs> nobody wants that. <laughs> So I want to move on to our, my main point for today. As I said, we're in the midst of our Advent season. And this is a time we set aside to prepare our hearts, to prepare our minds to celebrate the, the initial entry into our world of the Christ, to prepare and to ultimately prepare for his return. The theme we've chose to focus on uh, this year is hope. Last week, Pastor Clint spoke on the hope we have. And today, I want to talk about the hope that's with us. The, this is the focus I want to see. See, this passage as a whole is saying that the one that we have hope in, Jesus Christ, the Word, the light, the Son of God, who is simultaneously God, is saying that the one we have hope in is with us right now. Verse 14 says this, the Word became flesh and dwelt among us. 
We observed his glory and the glory as the one and only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Now, the Greek word for dwelt, it has the same root as the Greek word for uh, tabernacle. It, it makes tabernacle into a verb. So the word became flesh in the person of Jesus. And then the word tabernacled with us. And I mentioned this because earlier on, uh, we spent time going through the gospel story as told in the book of Exodus, right? Uh, and, and the book of Exodus, that gospel story, it includes as part of that story, the story of the tabernacle. Now, the tabernacle, see, the Israelites, when that tabernacle was built, would need to, to be made ritually holy so that they could go there so that they could draw near to God. That was what the tabernacle was for. In Exodus chapter 25, verse 9, it says this. You must make it, the tabernacle, according to all that I show you. The pattern of the tabernacle as well as the pattern of all its furnishings. See, the tabernacle was patterned after an existing reality, which is heaven. And you can see this in Hebrews chapter 9, verse 23 to 24. It explains it this way. It says, therefore, it was necessary for the copies of the things in heaven, which is the tabernacle, to be purified with these sacrifices, but the heavenly things themselves to be purified with better sacrifices than these. See, for Christ did not enter a sanctuary made with hands, only a model, the true one. Again, that's the tabernacle, but into heaven itself, so that he might now appear in the presence of God for us. See, in the beginning, God creates the universe, and God creates the universe as his cosmic temple. And he creates it so that he could dwell with his creation. And then humanity screwed it up. And the, but God gives new instructions. He says, build a replica of my cosmic temple so that I can dwell with my people. And then humanity screwed that up. And now, through the word, through Christ, God comes again to dwell, to tabernacle with us. And here's the thing. The only way we can screw it up this time is to just not come in. See, God's desire and God's design from the very beginning has always been to dwell with us, to be with us, from the Garden of Eden to the tabernacle to the sun. And all of it is so that we can be in his presence. Exodus chapter 25, verse 8, it says this about the tabernacle again. They are to make a sanctuary for me so that I may dwell among them. God wants to be with us. And his plan is to make the beloved of God holy so that we can be with the most holy. See, John in this passage is explaining that the word that has taken on flesh, that Jesus is absolutely the new, the better, the best tabernacle. That the original tabernacle was only a reminder of the covenant that God made with his holy nation. Just like my wedding ring, it is a reminder, a constant one, but it's just a reminder of the covenant relationship that I've entered into with my wife. But the real thing is so much better. She's in Singapore right now. That's why she's not here. But the real thing is so much better. The, the reminder points to the real. And I tell you, I'd rather be with the reminder. Oh, no, the real <laughs> than the reminder. I swear. Where's the video? Honey, that was a mistake. I'd rather be with the real, <laughs> even if it's in Singapore. The word became flesh. The word became flesh and tabernacle with us. 
the reminder, it's been replaced with the real. And now, now the hope that can revive us, the hope that can redeem us, now that hope tabernacles, dwells with us today. See, on that Christmas day, the word became flesh and the word tabernacled with us. On that Christmas day, the hope came to dwell in our midst. On that Christmas day, Jesus, the son of God, came as a light to cut through the darkness. Came as a light to say to me, come. See, the hurts, the pains, broken relationships, dysfunctional families, trauma, being overworked, being overburdened, being weary, being alone. None of these things can diminish the life that the light of the world offers to every single one of us today. See, the hope came to dwell and came to die so that we wouldn't have to. Jesus said that if you'll simply come, Simply come and receive me as your God, as your Savior, as your, receive me as your substitute, receive me as your hope. <sighs> then we can tabernacle together with God. This is what God has always desired. This is what God always desired. Thanks for tuning in to this week's COTV Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us, you can visit us online at cotv.life. God bless and have a great week.